I'm going to be talking about relationships today. And uh, we're, we are an expectant people. I'm an expectant man. Holy Spirit, what are you going to do in me today? I'd like to see what he's going to do in you today. So let's, uh, let's look at this. And uh, my message this morning is about covenant relationships, covenant relationships. And uh, I just want to say, Pastor Danny asked me to uh, talk. He called me on Thursday night and said, Des, could you talk on, Friday, on Sunday? I said, yeah, sure. We'll. He said, I'm going to send you all my notes. And uh, I, I received the notes, I looked through them on Friday evening and yesterday morning, and uh, I said, wow, that's why Danny preaches so well. His notes are so comprehensive. They're so good, but they're Danny's. <laughs> and I try to... Look at this, and because he's going to talk on the gifts, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is so important. The series that Pastor Danny's on at the moment is exquisite. It's fantastic. So I called him up yesterday. I said, Danny, let me just go off on a different angle here. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was with the men. I think it was end of last year. Danny asked me to talk to the men on a Monday morning. And I had a a word that I had been looking at and had been impressed upon me about covenants. Now, we know that there are many covenants in the Bible, but I'm going to talk to you this morning about um, an aspect of the covenants that relates to you and to myself. So uh, I want to say today that we're not going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit Danny's going to do a far better job than this layman could ever do next week. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, this, uh, we'll see exactly what the Holy Spirit is going to do for us today. So I'm going to open up in prayer. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, that you have placed your word within us. Father, we thank you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you are the helper, the comforter, and the counselor. Father, you have a specific work in each one of those areas in my life and in the lives of this congregation and in every believer. So we call upon you today, Holy Spirit, to help us, to come alongside of us, to comfort us. Father, most of all, through great wisdom to counsel us in Jesus' name. We know the work that you have been promised to do and we receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. So uh, if you could bring up the first portion of what uh, I have. This is, uh, there's about eight to ten great covenants written about in the Word. We have the Noahic covenant. We have the Abrahamic uh, covenant uh, we have the covenant, covenant of circumcision. There are many covenants, great, great covenants in, in, the, in the word. But 
the aspect of what I'm going to talk about today is almost the periphery of those covenants that the great men of God received. Because what happens is, in each one of these covenants, there is, it's almost like a spoke in a wheel. You have the hub of the covenant with Abraham. Out of that hub, you got the spokes. And you and myself, in every aspect of our lives, one of those spokes will touch us, and we can receive great blessing, understanding, wisdom, foresight, foreknowledge. Everything out of those spokes become effective in our lives. And this is what I was talking to you about of being expectant as a believer. Amen. So we're going to have a look at a couple of things this, this, uh, this morning. And uh, the, I wish I could get my computer not to go off all the time. So we'll see. Be blessed. <laughs> Amen. You will obey. Now, let me ask you this morning, do you know what a covenant is? I'm going to read to you something that I looked at last night that entails what a covenant relationship is, and uh, this is the basis of what a covenant relationship is from an historical point of view, from an interpretive point of view, and a biblical point of view. Listen carefully. In a literal sense, a covenant means a binding agreement, a legal construct and contract. It is, a, is a, it is a seal between two or more parties. In a biblical sense, the word covenant derives the, is derived from the same root word as to cut. To cut. This means that in the culture of the Bible, covenant carried weight and great emphasis and was often cut or sealed with blood on the hand or on the wrist. That's where we get the word cut a deal comes from. When you look through the background of this, if you've ever used the word cut a deal, you are looking back to the emphasis of a covenant. So we see that the, the word that is used here in covenant is to cut a deal. Seal. We'll go back to Abraham and one of the great patriarchs of the Bible. And we see that Abraham had an encounter with God. And during this encounter, God speaks specifically to him. Let me just say this first. Um, the three areas I, I, I'd like to talk to you about today so I can lead into the service is going to be concerning a corporate covenant, which is for people and for nations. The second one we're going to talk about is a family and friendship covenant, which entails a covenant between families. 
you should have a covenant in your family because there's a blood link in your family. And you should be cognizant of that in your life, in your family, sons, daughters, fathers, sons. We should be, we should be acutely aware of that covenant that has been downloaded into us. And lastly, we'll talk about a personal covenant. So this, this morning, we, we'll start off with uh, what, what God did for Abraham and the effects of that covenant relating to ourselves. In Genesis 15, from verse 5 to 11, the words came to Abraham. Remember, he was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Let me just give you a background to Abraham. He grew, he grew up or developed in an area of Ur, which is a part of Mesopotamia, which was extremely paganistic. Yet God looked upon this man and said, that's the man that I will bring out. Why? God's covenant plan. And we're going to share in that covenant plan because you see what God has done with us. He says, that man, that man, that man, that man, that man, I've, that man, that man, I've got a covenant with. It's a blood covenant. And we're going to see about that. That's going to be the uh, personal covenant that he has with us. But with, with Abraham, what we have is that God spoke to Abraham and he said, In Genesis 15, the Lord brought Abraham outside his tent into the night and said, Look now toward the heavens and count the stars. Abraham, if you are able to count them, then he said to him, So numerous shall be your descendants. Remember that point in time, Abraham was childless or without a son. Then Abraham believed it affirmed, he trusted, he relied on, he remained steadfast to the Lord. And he counted, credited to him as righteousness, doing right in regard to God and man. And then he said, I am the same Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees and give you this land and going to give you this land to your inheritance. But Abram said, Lord God, by what proof will I know that I will inherit this land or inherit it? So God said, mm -hmm. bring me three old, three, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram brought all these to him and cut them down the middle, cut the deal, and laid each on the opposite side. But he did not cut the birds, for the birds of prey swooped down in the carcasses, and Abraham drove them away. Just, just picture this now. Here we have the same thing that happens to Abraham in this situation. He's just spoken to the God of all creation. Look at the stars, Abraham. Wow. God, you're talking to me. I, I can't even fathom it. That'll be your descendants. And we don't know how long this conversation lasted. 
Maybe a day, maybe a half day, maybe hours. And after that, Abram says, but God, are you sure this is going to work? How do I know? How do I know that you're going to do what you're going to do? God says, I'm going to cut a deal with you. You'll remember this forever. It's a blood, it's a blood deal. It's a blood covenant. So the story goes in the historical records and antiquities of, of, of the Jews that Abram dug a, 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 a trench. And on the sides of the trench, he laid the heifers and the rams on each side. And the blood ran into this trench. And God said, by that you will know. You see, maybe Abraham, you can't touch the stars. It's just out there. But this, you can touch. You can see it. These are your part of the deal. And I'm going to give you my part of the deal. And Abram looked upon this, and we read through this. Abraham believed after in this uh, event. And it says the Bible accredited to him as righteousness. We'd never heard of righteousness in the, in the Old Testament before that time. Haven't heard of it. We haven't even heard of faith. There's only two areas in the, in the Old Testament that talks about faith. It talks about trust, believe, but faith reserved for the New Testament. So here we have Abraham looking at this and saying, God, you've spoken to me. I believe you. And God looked upon this and said, I accredit you. I credit this to you as righteousness. He could have said, I credit you this as salvation. No, no. I credit you this as justification. No. I credit you this as sanctification. Any one of those would have been good for me. It had been a deal. But God said, I credit you this as righteousness. You see, he had to say righteousness because when Jesus came to, the, to John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, you need to baptize me. He said, no, you need to baptize me because so that all righteousness may be fulfilled. Amen. You see, if you were only sanctified, you'd slip. If you were only justified, you'd slip. But in righteousness, it's a done deal. He's cut the deal with you in righteousness. And your path is exactly the same as Abraham. Just believe. Abraham believed. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Guys, I want to tell you today, when we believe these things, we are credited with double righteousness. You see, when we believe the word, and we believe that the blood of Christ has, has, has cleansed us from all sin, it's almost like... I'm going to give you a double righteousness. You're pumping like a V8. You know, both sides. We can't lose. In this deal, we don't lose. Amen. So the God of all creation says to Abraham, that's part of my deal. You came forward with your animals, and I came forward with my promise. And today, it's the same thing. The promise 
of righteousness has been imparted to us. Remember this. This is a sidebar issue. There's only two things in the word where we do not have, we have salvation and righteousness is imparted into us, not by anything that we need to do. You see, you can become a little bit more holy if you separate yourself and you read the Bible every day. You'll feel a little bit more holy. You'll feel a little bit more holy. But you'll, you'll look at that and you say, wow, I gave to the poor. I gave to the charities. I, I really did good. I, 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 I watched my mouth today. I didn't do anything. And you, you'll feel about yourself a little bit better about yourself. I want to tell you, it's an imposter. That's an imposter. The only thing that you and I have got is salvation by the blood and righteousness by Jesus Christ. It has been imparted to you and you cannot lose it. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Done. Amen. Walk in it. Walk in it. Those are the two foundations that we stand on. Salvation, righteousness. Everything else is sinking sand. When you've received that, let me t- you've got to have it by revelation. This is not a knowledge thing, guys and gals. It's not like I'm going to be so smart today to really study and see that this thing enters into my mind and we will just hold it. I'm going to say to you today, no, it's by revelation. Pray it now. Pray it tonight. Pray it tomorrow morning. Pray it tomorrow night. Father, show me your righteousness. Part of your deal that you cut with me. It's part of the covenant. It's part of the covenant. We see one thing in this scripture. As Abraham was preparing this sacrificial offering for the covenant, the enemy never misses an opportunity. Never misses an opportunity. But the birds of prey swooped down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. Birds of prey in the Bible have always depicted something to do with a type and shadow of a satanic type of interference. I mean, it says, I believe in Leviticus, don't eat birds of prey and uh, any birds that eat meat. So, but yeah, we have, we, we see that there's never, Satan never misses an opportunity. Guys, we need to be vigilant. Although it's been imparted to you, Satan will try and steal your understanding, your knowledge, your wisdom of the covenant that God has cut with you. And what he'll do is, he'll never say, you've lost it. Now, he may at some time, but under normal circumstances, he'll always say, did God really say? You see, the same thing that, we don't remember those words. Oh, Adam, Eve, Garden of Eden. God wants to make you or keep you not as wise as he is. Did God really say? I want to say to you today, that's a lie out of hell. And you need to know it. Because when you know it, you'll be set free from it. 
you will be set free from it. When that thing comes in, and you have the ability to say, Father, in Jesus' name, I reject this. It will not light upon me. You and I will enter into and participate in this covenant to a greater and greater and greater degree. Don't let the birds of prey, don't let the types and shadows of the enemy ever try and steal what has been deposited within you. He's unable to steal everything that God has given you. That's, that's an impossibility. But let me tell you what. Let's try and recognize what, uh, what those birds of prey do. They steal a bit of encouragement to bring you into discouragement. They steal you into a bit of a situation where you just say, you know, is it, did it really happen? Did God really do this for me? You may even at sometimes question your sanctification. Be aware of that. Know that. Understand that. And know that at that point in time, reject it. Satan, get there behind me. You need to walk in wisdom, knowledge, understanding. It's part of the covenant deal. It's part of the covenant deal. The second one I want to talk about is family and friendship covenants. Uh, the story about this, the story, I, I'm, I'm more or less going to give you a little bit of a, a story. I'm going to be a storyteller today in this particular instance to a certain degree because the portions of scripture that depict what I'm talking about in family and friends uh, are taken from large portions of 1 Samuel 20 right through to 2 Samuel 9 and so forth. So I'm just going to give you a bit of a, a rundown on, on what took place, but we'll read the first portion of the Scripture. In uh, 1 Samuel 20, verse 3 and 4, But David vowed again, saying, Your father have found favor in your sight. And he said, Do not let Jonathan know. Sorry, I... Your father knows what I have found, that I found favor in your sight. And he said, do not let Jonathan know this, or he will be worried. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is hardly a step between me and death. And Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do for you. Now, this is the fam family and friendship covenant and those of you who have, you've always heard of the story about the friendship that, that, that formed between Jonathan and David. And many, many depictions have, have been spoken and prophetic words about, you know, you'll be raised up to have a Jonathan and a David next to you. Uh, which is a, a great uh, type of uh, depiction of a friendship between two men. The friendship that, that was between these two men, they weren't just old buddies that went to the Jerusalem University and walked out and said, oh, man, everything is just so great. You know, I know you and you know me and we've known each other for a long time. No, 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 no. This was a blood covenant. You see? 
blood covenant between these two men. If you, look, if you read through the antiquities of the Jews, you see that, that there was a blood covenant between these men. You see, David, Jonathan had wisdom from God to say, we are going to be walking together for a long time. And we see in this particular portion of, of Scripture um, that David is anointed by Samuel to be the future king, while Saul is still the king of Israel at that point in time. And to the chagrin of Jonathan, who loves David as a brother, he's in a place where he knows that his father has great animosity, great jealousy towards David, to the point where he says, bring him, bring him to me. I'm going to kill this man. I'm going to kill this man. You see, God gives David wisdom. And we know the story of what took place between Jonathan and David, where the arrow was shot in the field and the arrow went behind. And that was the sign to David to move out, get out. My dad's looking for you. Saul is looking to kill you. And David goes out from the midst of, of Saul. And Saul is asking every night at the, at the, at the uh, dinner table, where's Dave? Where's Dave? Oh, maybe he didn't come tonight, whatever the case was. And we see the animosity that comes upon between Saul and Jonathan. So paint this picture. Here you have David, the future king. When this all took place, it was probably about five years, they tell us, before he ascended to the throne. So we have David ascending by the godly covenant given to him. We have Saul descending because of sin and unrighteousness. We see that during this period of time, there's a civil war that takes place. I'm just giving you a bit of a background. So I don't have to read all the scriptures. We don't finish at 1230. We see that at this point in time, there is many things that take place in Israel. We see that in 2 Samuel 3, 4, that the house of David is strengthened. He starts getting, because of the covenant. Remember, David was just, he wasn't just a good guy. He did some real bad things. But you see, God's covenant looks at that and says, I've seen the end. I don't see you today. I've seen you there. I don't see you today. So we have the, the covenant that is, is, is formulating and working in. The spokes are running out from each particular side. But the hub, the power, the centrality of the covenant stands. And David is enjoying this blessing, just as we enjoy the blessing. 2 Samuel 5, David becomes king by God's covenant. 2 Samuel 7, God plans to build a, uh, David plans to build a temple. These are all things that he wasn't just a smart guy. You see, the covenant gives you wisdom. The covenant gives you understanding. The covenant gives you foresight. The covenant gives you prudence. Believe it. Believe it. 
Ask the Lord to show you these things. 2 Samuel 8, David triumphs over his enemies. He's in a place where he's established because of this. And then what happens is Saul commits suicide on the battlefield. Jonathan is killed prior to this particular portion. And uh, David, he sort of rests on his laurels in his palace or king, uh, kingdom or his home or residence, wherever he was. And at one point in time, he says, uh, is there any survivors that Saul had, that, that uh, Jonathan had, that I can honor? And uh, the story about Mesebepheth is as follows. Mesebepheth was the son of Jonathan. At one point in time, this young man, when they heard that David was crowned king, like in any particular uh, nation, all the sons of the previous king is put into a place of great danger. This particular young man, Saul's sons were killed in battle. This particular young man, very young, the story is told in 2 Samuel, the nurses that looked after him picked him up and in great fear and trepidation, they carry this young boy down the stairs and unfortunately they drop him. And the result of that was he had two lame legs. So here you have a son of Jonathan with two lame legs now look, being looked after by nurses in a certain area of Israel, Judah. And David has ascended to the throne. And David says, I remember my covenant with Jonathan, the blood covenant. Is there any of his sons that are still alive? And the handmaiden or the nurse or the helper comes to them and says, like, why do you want to know? And David says, I want to bless this man. I want to bless this young boy. He says, yes, we've, we, we, we know he's actually living in a little city called Lodabar. We'll bring him to you. Now, I want to depict to you the, the meeting between Mesebepheth and David. So in time, this young man comes in, and David is sitting at a banquet table. And yet this young man is brought in, didn't have wheelchairs or crutches or anything like that. He's brought in by a helper because the two legs were crushed. He's brought in, and as he's brought in, David is standing right there. This young man says, surely they brought me to my death. Because this is what they do. They kill all the sons. He's carried in, legs. And David stands there and says, Mesebepheth, where have you been? And he says, King David, 
I'm just a dog. Don't kill me. He says, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to bless you. Why? And as David comes to him, Mephibosheth looks, looks down and he says, King David, I remember those hands. I, I remember those scars. My dad had those scars. My dad had the same thing. I remember them as a young boy. The covenant of David and Jonathan upon the son, Mesebethith. David says, yes, I, I had a great relationship with your, with your father. Him and myself were blood brothers. We fought together. So what I'm going to do for you, because of that, everything that was your dad's, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to restore to you what you have lost because you came here in a state of being a cripple. And let me tell you what, when we come to the Holy Spirit or to Christ the first time, we're all cripples. We're all cripples. We're like Jacob. We all got hip problems. I want to say to you today, He's going to restore every crippled thing that you still think you have in you. He's going to restore to you every single thing that you thought that you have lost. He's going to restore to you even things from years ago that you've just said, this economy has just killed it. The banks have just hit me so badly. Credit card companies are just riding my back. I want to talk to you today about restoration because of the covenant. I want to talk to you about that. And I want to tell you that you need to grab hold of that and say, Father, because of your covenant with me, I'm looking, I'm speaking. Remember the helper, the comforter, the counselor? Oh, man, what a deal. I'm going to receive that because you're going to help me. You're going to counsel me and you're going to comfort me on a daily basis. As a believer, you see, all it took was believing. So here you have Mesebeth, worth nothing in the eyes of the community, sitting there in a place and David says that man that young man will be he will sit at my table forever yeah. <laughs> wow yeah. he will sit at my table forever he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy do you believe it yeah. walk it out walk it out because of the scars, David, when he said, come here, young man, I remember those things. My dad had them. You see, it's the same scars that Jesus is going to hold up one day to you and myself. You read about this, Des? You read about this? 
There was a couple of other men that didn't believe it. But today, those scars are meant for your salvation. Those scars are meant for your restoration. Those scars are meant for your righteousness in Christ. Lastly, personal covenant. Personal covenant. Listen carefully. A covenant made with a dead man has no effect or reward. A covenant made with a dead man has no effect or reward. A covenant concluded with a king has a great reward. Jesus is alive. Let me read to you from uh, two portions of scripture. And church, I, I really want you to take these scriptures and own them. This is not something that you read and just forget. Because if you will own these scriptures, it's going to make a change on your perception, understanding, wisdom, knowledge, foresight on a daily basis. You will walk in the strength that God has proposed you to walk in. You see, you are just, you are just the man that God has intended you to be. You are just developing in the man and the woman that God has intended you to be because he's seen the end result. And it is good. And it is good. Personal covenants. Romans 5, 8 to 9. Listen carefully. Therefore, since we have now been justified, declared free of guilt, of sin, listen carefully, by his blood, how much more certain is that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain, having been reconciled, that we will be saved from the consequences of sin by his life. That is, we will be saved because Jesus is alive today. <laughs> you see, what's the use of a covenant or an agreement with a dead man? Mohammed, Confucius. <laughs> you think I'm stupid? I'm agreeing with the live man. And more than that, you see, he's living right here through the Holy Spirit. What a deal. Eh? What a deal. Because Jesus is alive today. You see, this is the covenant that we cut with him. It says here, therefore, since we how much more certain is it that we will be saved from the wrath? For if we were enemies, remember that this was when we were still enemies that God came down and said, you know, we've, we've got a tendency of being very friendly or uh, uh, associating with people who help us. You see, God says, yeah, when you were still an enemy, I came down and I helped you. So that 
you will live out what you have and I've seen in the future. God always talks about the future. Satan always talks about the past. You've never, ever heard something about Satan say to you, this is what's going to happen to you, because he can't. He don't know. But let me tell you, you've probably heard a lot about, remember the past. And you and I need to reject that outright. That calls for wisdom. Get the behind me, Satan. That's the covenant that we had, that we have with Jesus. Let me tell you about the covenant that he has with us in closing. Hebrews 10, 16 to 18. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws upon their heart and on their minds. I will inscribe them, producing an inward change, something new. Then he says, and their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. No longer holding their sins against them. Now there is an absolute forgiveness and a complete cancellation of the penalty of those things. There is no longer any offering to be made for the sins. Done deal. It is finished. It is finished. The church needs to walk in the understanding of the covenants. And we'll become a powerful church. You see, what's happened is the church has, has sort of taken a back step. We have said, surely our leaders in Washington, D.C. will help us. Forget it. Surely the academia will help us. They know. Forget it. Surely the intelligentsia of the world will get together and they will save us from what, where we are at the moment. Let me tell you guys, there's great concern out in the world today. Great concern. I was talking to some guys this week and I hadn't seen the one guy for a long time and uh, he came up to me and he said, man, he says, how are we... How are we going to get through this? And I didn't have a long time to talk to him about this thing, you know. And I just said to him, Tom, you've got to believe. It's like, believe what? Believe what? Believe Jesus Christ. And I had, to, and I, I had to go immediately. You see, but I know how to work with these guys. All I do is I drop the seed. I'm expecting a call from him next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, believe what? What did you, what did you say, Des? That's all we've got to do. I'll make him so hungry. He'll come back. He'll say, what did you mean? See, I didn't have to take him by the neck and lay him down and say, in Jesus' name. He's going to ask me to do that. It's coming. It's all good. Same thing with each one of us here. We covenant men and women. We're covenant men and women. You and I have been sealed with a covenant with a king. What's the guarantee? Maybe you feel like Abraham today and you say, <laughs> I just don't know. Here's the terms of the agreement. 
warranties, guarantees, terms, benefits, privileges, oh, an inheritance. I'm a son. You're a son. I have an inheritance. Will we receive it? Will we walk this out? Because if you leave it just as you, in your understanding, where it's at at the moment, I want to ask you, I'm going to pray this morning, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to impregnate you with the understanding of a covenant so that we can walk as a church in strength. I want to say to you today, it's not going to be the politicians, it's not going to be the academia, it's not going to be the intelligentsia, it's not going to be those things that claim to know things. It's going to be in the church. The bride of Christ will walk in power, in strength, and that means you and you and you and you and you. Don't miss the opportunity. It's in you. The Holy Spirit is going to bring this forth. Father, today we just say in Jesus' name, we ask you this morning, Father, that the Holy Spirit, Father, that beautiful Spirit of truth, we need help. Send the helper. Father, in this America today, we need wise counsel. Send the counselor. For that is the work of the Holy Spirit. We ask you today, Father, to give us understanding, clarity of thought. Release our lips to speak openly, easily, boldly about what Christ has done in me, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name today, we thank you, we bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks, guys.